Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Rusty Quill presents. Greetings, malcontents. While our amazing voice actor, Kelly, takes a few weeks off to pull up stakes and move out of state, we're going to be offering a brief side narrative that focuses on Discovery Team 27, the Esoterium's secret research team led by Dr. Mercer Bowley. We've gotten a ton of great feedback on the sleep-wake cycle, and Team 27 received a lot of love, so we thought this would be a great time to share a little more about them. Kelly will be back in front of the mic very soon, so after about two episodes dedicated to this side narrative, we'll be joining the Stroud twins in their dark, increasingly desperate investigation. We also wanted to mention a few updates to our growing community over on Patreon, including a Tier 3 exclusive mini-podcast called October's Children, beginning in February. We'll be releasing monthly mini-episodes that tell the story of Dr. Martin Watts and his research into the shared dreams experienced by a select group of coma sufferers. As he explores the effects of post-coma stress syndrome, combined with psychological effects of the post-Ocnum world, he begins to discover strange patterns, leading him to believe that something dark and disturbing may be at work. Our goal with October's Children is for it to grow with our Patreon community, allowing us to put out full monthly episodes with complete post-production in the future. So get in on the ground floor of this exciting development by checking out the Patreon link in the description. We're also offering early access to high-res, series-specific artwork signed by Mark. Wondering what Galturo looks like without his helmet? Check out our Patreon. And you can always find all our lower-res, unsigned art later on our Instagram. 
As always, thank you so much for listening, and a special thank you to our growing community of patrons, whose support allows us to continue telling stories and share more of our work with everyone. Enjoy the episode. It took me a second to realize Gulturo's voice wasn't being filtered through his weird armored suit. Naturally, it only made sense that he'd be running around without it. There was more than ample darkness, the 100 proof stuff, to sustain him. Romy cut the lights and we crouched behind a great big pile of machine parts, hoping against hope we wouldn't get discovered. Come on, you two should know by now... There's no hiding in the dark. Not this darkness, anyway. So, what little club inside the Esoterium sent you guys? Was it the, uh, Keepers of a Thousand Secrets? Or maybe it was those losers from the Magic Lantern Club? (laughs) Well, whoever it was, they're gonna be hiring for two new positions. (laughs) Gulturo's voice moved all around, but he wasn't making a sound, no footsteps whatsoever. My guess was he was floating, just like the eels. You know, we pulled a couple of them rounds from that alley in Nighthead. Hot as hell to find the things, seeing how they blew through just about everything and the kitchen sink. Took a little bit, but we figured out what they was and who specifically uses pale matter rounds. You hearing me, insomniac? (laughs) Course, uh, we would have figured that out soon enough, once you stepped into the dark. But I like to do my own homework, you know? Keeps me sharp. And speaking of sharp, we Umbrian all know a Balik when we see one. Or feel one, for that matter. Though, uh, I can't say I ever heard of the Esoterium employing the Wakeless. Those bastards are really scraping the bottom of the barrel now, ain't they? So you see, you got no secrets left. And you got nowhere left to hide. Nowhere to run. Whoa, (laughs) wait a minute, what is this? What do we have here? A dead body? From the look of his throat, the poor schmuck must have cut himself shaven. Ain't that right, Romy? (laughs) He'd found Gabriel's body, which meant he wasn't far behind us now. My hands were still in pretty bad shape. I was barely able to manage the knife while I was grilling Gabriel, and I could tell Romy was on the edge. 
The revolvers were out of the question, so the Berettas would have to do. I was just glad he hadn't made the slash across Gabriel's neck for the touch of gold. There's no way out of this one, folks. They're all coming back. The old kings and queens (laughs) from the great below. Their bodies have been prepared and the way is now clear. So whatever that dead hump in the pink candy told you to, it's way too late now. But who knows, maybe we can cut a deal, yeah? Something all signed and sealed you can take back to your bosses. What do you say? I may not be as bright as my sister, but I wasn't born yesterday. The second we popped our heads up, we were goners for sure. You want to know why we know so much about you two? Because the dark knows you. That's the difference between the light and the dark, you see. Light just reveals us. But the darkness, it understands us. Isaiah, remember how you let all them people bind back in Dillinger City? We get it. The darkness gets it. You hungered for more than the light had to offer, right? So, naturally, you did what you had to do. Fed from the dark inside yourself. Took a nice big bite, you did. It's okay. (laughs) We all do it. And what more could a wakeless want for than a big fat help in the darkness? Mixed with a little bit of nightmare and a splash of screams, right? (laughs) I could feel the pitch pulling at us, plucking dirty secrets like dead flowers. My power was running on fumes. It was time for the Hail Mary. Okay, Galtoro, you got us. What can I say? When you're right, you're right. I stood up and dropped my power. All except the bit I wrapped all nice and tight around my plan. I couldn't let Romy in on it. One word into the darkness and Galtoro would be wise to me. Now, that's the smartest thing I've heard all night. Somehow, I could see if, only dimly, the pitch seeping deeper, allowing me to see by the light of my own sins. A thousand dark temptations wheeled through my mind, He really was offering a deal. A bargain, really. No more light. No more yellow suppers of sick reality. Just endless, dark freedom. Jesus, I could only imagine what all this was doing to Romy. I had to get this over as quick as I could. I knew you'd come around. Eventually. Especially you, Isaiah. I mean... We killers gotta stick together, after all, right? (laughs) He was gloating now. I had to stay focused. I just needed the son of a bitch to give me a chance. To show himself. Well, you make a strong case. Uh, Besides, they forced us to come here. Lied to us about what was really going on. We got no loyalties to them. I could feel Romy's confusion. I took her by the hand, hoping she'd know I was about to pull some serious shit out of my hat. If that's so, then you wouldn't mind spilling on them a little bit, now would you? 
He was smarter than he sounded. He wasn't going to come near me till he knew what I was up to. Though he had no problem sending those friggin' eels closer. Goddamn things were huge, mouths like deadfall traps. Still, they hung back a bit, circling impatiently. Sure thing. I mean, they left us here to die, so screw them, right? Now that's what I'm talking about. Let's start with some names. Places, persons, organizations, that sort of thing. She was playing along. At least I hope she was. A glimmer of white skin moved into view. Vaguely humanoid, it floated above us in the darkness. It was time to make my play. I pulled a Beretta and put two rounds where Galturo's head should have been. But my aim was garbage on account of my injured hands. The shots went wild, swallowed into the darkness somewhere. I didn't even hear him hit. <laughs> you shoot like a blind old lady. Of course, if my hands looked like freeze-dried ham chops, my aim would be off too. I figured you'd try those pea shooters of yours. I just didn't think you'd be so obvious about it. You must suck at poker. <laughs> what I took for Gultoro dissipated into shadow. Just a trick of the dark. One of the eels struck out, snatching the gun from my palsied hand, crushing it in its mouth like a plastic toy. But that was okay. It made Gultoro confident, just like I'd hoped. He finally came into partial view, nice and close, into the depleted range of my gift. I can see we gotta do things the hard way, which is just fine by me. I could feel Romy's eyes on me, waiting to see what tricks I had left up my sleeve, if any. I wasn't about to disappoint her. My second Beretta came out, the one I'd removed the flash suppressor from. I couldn't name the thing to save my life, but with Galtoro and company in range of my power, I didn't need to. I just had to pull the trigger. The hard way it is, then. And, uh, by the way, I'm a whiz at poker. The gunshots lit up the demons like strobe lights in a Halloween house of horrors. The creatures wailing like banshees. I'd seen more than my share of the eels, but this was the first time I'd laid eyes on Golturo outside of a dream, not to mention outside of his bubble-headed armor. He was awful. A mess of white exposed muscle tissue, multiple pale lifeless eyes, a body trapped somewhere between the absurdities of a man and an infernal eel. The bursts of light hit him and his slimy entourage like giant burning fists, sizzling off layers of skin and bashing them across the room. Isaiah had fallen to his knees, shaking, barely able to hold the gun. He was pushing himself over the edge. I quickly lit up my eyes and scanned the room. Snatching the gun from my brother, I aimed at the cylinder stacked at the far corner. 
hoping one of them was filled with something. Bingo. Isaiah's power loosed the fire's light and heat. I pulled him from the floor, an inferno raging at our backs, and hobbled him out the back door. With Isaiah's power no longer active inside the cannery, the darkness devoured the fire. With the death of the flames came the renewed silence, cold and bottomless, only the solemn whisper of the thinnest wind remaining. Crouching beneath the huge funeral veil of a willow tree just inside the thickets, we waited. I don't know how long we stared at the back door of the cannery, expecting it to slam open, revealing the smoldering monsters within. When we finally got moving again, Isaiah looked like he was about ready to keel over. Are you okay? We can wait longer if you need to. Pushing yourself like this can't be good. I got no choice. If I let my field down, they'll... they'll make us for sure. We need to beat feet. I'll be okay. I know you don't sleep, but can you pass out? I thought you were going to collapse back there. To be completely honest, I, I have no idea. Never been this low. I once took a shot from an exopath that sent me through a wall. I just sort of laid there a few minutes. Paralyzed, it seemed. But I never conked out. Weebles wobble, but they don't pass out, I guess. A new awkwardness had grown up between us. He knew I'd heard Golturo mention Dillinger City, what the monster accused him of doing. But now was no time to bring it up, <laughs> if ever. I wasn't my brother's keeper, let alone his judge. If he had something he wanted to tell me, he would. <sighs> Still, I hoped he had some kind of explanation. Excuse. I knew he put an end to the salamander in Dillinger City, and that the fires killed umpteen people, but I wasn't sure how much of that was my brother's fault. And unfortunately, there really was no question as to whether Golturo was right or not. These darklings wielded the truth like a cudgel. Once we moved into a small meadow, we could see, if seeing was the right word, the jet-black spire rising into the annihilated sky. Without visible definition, it appeared more as an amorphous, soaring edifice. I couldn't determine if it was indeed a tower or a wide seam in the very construction of the universe. The wind shifted the gossamer funeral veils as we traveled, stretching them out above our heads, making the forest seem more like an enclosure than an outdoor space. There was no question as to whether the darkness had substance. It came at us like a dust storm now. Small particles of the stuff swirling black static that compromised the picture quality of the world, dissolving coherence as far as my eyes could illuminate. The sounds fell from above us, and it wasn't until the cause of it all dipped down below the enshrouded canopy of the forest that I managed to catch a look at the thing. Its outline and composition revealed momentarily by the fluctuating darkness of the black dust storm. A wailing amalgam of the townspeople from Marrows prowled the dark. Their bodies merged into a semicircular blob of flesh and bone. An organic probe set into the pitchy sea of the sky, 
built to detect us, no doubt. Flesh and soul were no more than clay to the darkness, things to be molded to a purpose, a provision of foulest industry. The probe set down not far from us, extruding gangly insectoid limbs, feelers, the latter of which almost certainly comprised of distended and warped nervous tissues, the better for detecting us. Before I knew it, more probes sat down all around us, bug legs and antennas stretching out. They began to vocalize. Painful ululations that likely afforded them communication between each other. I hoped that whatever information the darkness might have nabbed from us back at the cannery, it hadn't gotten a sense of where we were headed, and the probes were only scanning areas adjacent to our last whereabouts. Being as careful and quiet as possible, we slipped into the denser undergrowth, crawling through the small paths and tunnels made by the creatures of the woods. It wasn't long before we made the small dirt road that wandered its way to the mansion. The occasional flesh probes squirting through the inky sky as we went along, sending us to the edge of the forest for cover. You know anything about the layout of the mansion from your uh, sleep read? A bit. The townspeople were summoned there on more than a few occasions for planning and whatnot. Their dreams reflected a little bit of its floor plan. There should be a side entrance on the far side of the place. It might be our easiest in. Maybe we'll luck out and the place will be deserted. I'm assuming anyone who hasn't been turned into a floating flesh ball is likely at the temple on the serpent's nest, waiting for Nykrist's big ascension, whatever that looks like. Could be, but I wouldn't count on it. Nykrist isn't stupid. He knows we're coming for him. If there's a passage leading to the serpent's nest in there, you can bet your ass he's got it guarded. The mansion was just across the courtyard, but it felt like we were about to prance through a minefield. There was no cover whatsoever, just a lot of darkness and open space. The perfect opportunity for unseen things to descend from above. But we didn't have a choice. Isaiah barely moved beyond a crawl, his body exhausted but determined. Whatever shit he might have done in Dillinger's city, he was certainly doing the yeoman's work now. That had to count for something, didn't it? Only adrenaline stood between me and my delusions, as the meds had mostly worn off a while ago. As usual, my infirmities continued lurking the periphery of my thoughts, testing my mind's borders. Sneaking closer to the mansion, I could have sworn my mother looked down at me from one of the upstairs windows. Eyes bugged out over top a bleeding smile. She was trying to speak to me through the glass, her ghastly mouth stretching red and ruined across each word. Once across the courtyard, we flattened against the wall of the mansion, inching our way around to the other side. The side porch creaked as we mounted the stairs, the wind chimes above our heads playing in the breeze. The door clicked open. No lock. The resulting foulness felt like a gut punch as it gushed from the house, a septic contagion of deepest evil washing over and through us. At that moment, my mother's words pent behind glass became known to me. She'd said, you're both going to die horribly, just like me.
The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. And the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Maltopia, head over to Maltopia.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.